0: In this episode of The Power of Hindsight, I got to sit down with Nick Telson, who is the co-founder of Design My Night. Uh, Nick exited Design My Night in 2019 after it was acquired in 2017. Some really interesting statistics from the company um, in the nine years that Nick was involved was that they hired 147 people and they had 250 million page views of consumer sites. So that means that one in every four Londoners used the site monthly. They had 80 million in event ticketing revenue, and over the nine years, they had 7.5 million pounds of cumulative net profit. We talked about Nick's journey throughout the the startup, the early years, the pivot that they made that was essential to the success of the company, um, and finally exiting it. And then we talked a little bit about Nick's new career path, which is angel investing. Really hope you enjoy this episode, and it brings lots of value. So, Nick, delighted to have you on um, Power of Hindsight. Um, what I wanted to get straight into, and the Power of is all about kind of actionable insights. So, mm-hmm. for someone who's listening, the story is great and it's really impressive, but can they take something actionable and, and tomorrow can they, they action that in their own career? Yeah. yeah. So, if you kind of can bring us back, and I know it's maybe nine years ago now, is it to like maybe a month or two months before Design My Night was launched? Yeah. That ideation stage of what you were doing at that point? Yeah. And, and what drove you to start Design My Night? Yeah. So,
1: um, it was myself and my business partner, Andrew. Um, so, we were in corporate jobs. Um, so, I was doing marketing at L'Oreal, and he was at Accenture. Um, and then. We came up with an idea of for a, a a more should we say millennial-friendly discovery portal in the nightlife category in London. Um, and yeah, we did a bit only a bit of research at the start to be honest, and we thought, you know, let's let's just do it. Um, so we but we kept our jobs. So we it was about seven, eight months um, building the website on the side while doing our main jobs. Um, so we didn't have that risk at the start of having no salary so we wanted to build the website put it out see what people will say in those eight months of build we were also speaking to lots of like bars restaurants pubs just going in on weekends and just chatting yeah. to them to see you know what they'd like from a discovery portal um and then when we put it live um my boss at the time, um, who's a good friend of mine now, um, pulled me aside and said, I can see you're up to something.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you keep disappearing off into meeting rooms. Um, and he just reminded me that my L'Oreal contract said, you know, you can't set up another endeavor while working at L'Oreal. Um, so it was actually that that then made me think, okay, well, let's do this. Um, so I actually resigned pretty soon after that meeting. Mm-hmm um and andrew stayed at accenture and we actually split his salary um for six months so i went full-time <laughs> i still work with him on weekends and evenings um but yeah he was earning a lot more than me at accenture so we thought, let's split your salary give me something as
0: well and then he went full-time probably about six months after that right the startup because as you know and you've been great help to me i'm starting at my own startup and the content I can get out there at the moment is incredible the resources are you know amazing if you kind of rewind it to you know 10 years ago how different was it then than it is now and what were kind of some of the challenges that you know founder back then faced compared to maybe that's not around anymore yeah I think I think just being able to put an idea out there is a lot easier now
1: um you know from from, from a I look at retail now like D2C brands you know to to build like a Shopify website or a Squarespace website um, you can do that without any experience Um, do that on a weekend and launch it on the Monday Um, it wasn't like that back then Um, so it was it's a lot more old school back in the day when building a website was seen as a huge expense Um, you had to go to a digital agency Um, Andrew and I weren't developers Um, so I think for us, it was more of the upfront investment, and then we we persuaded um, a guy who owned a digital agency to get on board with the journey and, and gave it to us at a discount rate. Um, but I think from that point of view, getting it live was a you know a, you know it's almost like setting up a shop nowadays. You know, so it took eight months, um, and also just marketing. You know, obviously we had social media back then, but nothing like it is today. Um, So to be able to build your own following and then just instantly send that out, whether it be podcasts or Facebook or whatever, um, it just didn't really exist back then. So actually, it was a lot more pure play marketing. Um, But actually in this space, I think what we did very well was the SEO side of things. Um, And I think that still exists today is, you know, if you want to build a consumer brand, then SEO content marketing is still as important today as it was back then.
0: Okay, if you were to, um, I, it might be hard to summarize the first couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure there was incredible roller coaster moments. But if you could kind of summarize the first couple of years, like what were some key milestones? What kind of was okay? This works. Yeah. Like. Where did the traction become exciting for you guys? Yeah, and,
1: and it actually took us a couple of years. So we right. didn't raise, um, I think that's another thing that's changed a lot is, is, is raising cash. Um, you know, and again, I'm not saying it didn't exist back then, but this, this notion of angel investors and just being able to reach out to groups of angel investors and pitching um, was very different back then. Um, and you didn't really go into a startup thinking, okay, I need to raise money. Um, so that actually wasn't in our mind at the start. You know, we both put personal funds in and, and were almost, let's see how far this can take us. Uh, we had no idea about angel investing. Um, so the first two years was, it's graft. Um, you know, it was hard, hard work. Um, you know, we, we, we very quickly jumped on the idea of, of making a booking on our site. Um, but again, we did it very grassroots so we literally just put a make an inquiry button on every page on our website and that just came into andrew and i um and we would be 24 7 phoning up bars restaurants just booking people in wow um and that was 24 7 non-stop because our usp was providing a great service um, and i think that still remains true today that customer service is absolutely key so we wanted to make sure that anyone booking on our site um, We'd get a great service, and if we hadn't put them in in an, in an hour, we would text them as to why we hadn't booked them in yet, but it was still all in hand. Um, it was it so done manually? All manually, so it came into us. It was just a it sort of like a, a web form, came into us, and we were literally just phoning, phoning other bars. Um, it transpired that, that that was great for us to actually then speak to lots of bars and restaurants. Because actually, if you're phoning them up with people to book in, they're like, oh, great, what's you know, what this? It? And we weren't charging back then, so it's like, oh, great. Okay. So we actually built some really great relationships from that. Um, and then as the name implies, um, you know, which is where our head was at with the name Design My Night, people were emailing us saying, well, can you design my night? It's my Hindu, or it's my 30th birthday. So then, you know, without thinking about it, we almost launched a concierge service as well um and the public god bless them when they get hold of someone um you know you might give them three ideas and they'll always probably end up going with the first idea where they want 50 more um so that concierge service again was 24 7 back and forth with ideas um and you have to be very careful not to get stuck in the detail all the time without thinking how are you going to grow the business as well um because we were both literally just booking people in and then, but you've got to take time to actually step back and think, okay, where is this going? Is this going in the direction we want? Um, so we were juggling, well, being everything. So MDs, operations, um, managing a digital agency, customer service, booking agents, concierge. Um, and, 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 you know, to a certain extent, worked ourselves into the ground a bit. You know, I, I found those probably the second year, you know, second or third year
0: really hard um, because it was just all consuming. But you um, must have been profitable from that period if you weren't taking on funding, were you? Or, no, so you know? we
1: we pretty much went a year and a half um, taking a teeny bit of money out of the company every so often to, to pay ourselves, yeah. but, but, but tiny. Um, and I think that's a big lesson that, that when I meet founders today that don't take money as a given and, and almost you shouldn't set up a company just with the mindset of, we're going to take angel funding or VC funding. Um, make sure you can personally fund it, um, because I think that's a big reason why companies fail. That you know, if you can't live yourself and be happy without taking a salary for say a year, um, you know, you might come a cropper down the line. So we knew with the money we'd saved that you know, if we didn't take a salary, obviously tightened our belts. So stop going out, stop eating out. Uh, Dinners became a lot less luxuri- luxurious. We actually, um, our CTO worked at Google next to our first office. Um, we ended up poaching him from Google to, to be our CTO. But we used to meet him in those two years for lunch, like three times a week, because it was free. So he used to go to Google, uh, eat free lunch um, and then just go to his desk and there's snacks everywhere yeah. in Google. So we were like filling our bags with like tracker bars no. uh, and that was dinner. We we're like, okay, we'll have lunch and now we're just going to take dinner and fill our bags with like Tic Tacs. Um, so we <laughs> knew we were trying true boots that stealing from Google. Yeah. Um, but we knew we wanted him as our CTOs. So at the okay. same time, we're like, if we keep him engaged and excited at Design My Life, while getting food. Um, It was Um, win-win. Actually, as soon as we got our first
0: round of funding, he was the guy we went and got and hired as our CTA. I wrote down the word scale Mm. um, because it sounds like, well, from what I'm speaking to investors and founders, the word is scale. How do you scale it? It seems like those initial early days when you're doing manual bookings and you're doing a concierge service, that scale is probably the opposite of what you can do because there's only so much time that you guys can physically give yeah and, and then get out a return on that time so yeah where did that where did the scale moment come for you
1: I think it you know we, we were you know now when I have learned what I've done and when I speak to, to founders who seem a lot more together than we were back in the day again that like scale wasn't something we were almost thinking about it was just like can we just carve out a business I think that's one big thing for us was we always wanted to grow a profitable business. So we didn't want to grow a business that wasn't making money that we could keep just getting funded and almost have like, you know, this this we work failure yeah. sort of valuation. We were very much like, let's just try and carve out a business. And if we hit on something, then think, how do we scale it? So the bookings was the first one. Um, and then it's just being clever with it. So, you know, it was slowly automating processes a bit more, um, you know, once, we, you know, a message could come in and then we could automatically text the general manager of the venue without us having to phone back yeah. once we've got his or her number. So it was, it was, I think, without actually thinking how do we scale it, we were always trying to be smart on yeah. how is this going to work. Um, but the scale didn't really come for us until we pivoted to software, um, which was actually three years in. So a year after the funding round um, was our big pivot to software. Um, and then, obviously, the beauty of SaaS software is it's scalable.
0: In that moment, so it's it's interesting you say that you pivoted in year three after you'd raised. You had a business model for two years. You raise money. You do a year, and then you actually pivot into what the business. Yeah, talk talk me through that. It's actually when
1: when we uh, were acquired, um, and are our, our, there six six seven angel investors that. Design my night. They took us out for a dinner when we exited, and actually, our chairman brought up on the screen our original business plan that we sent to them, um, which was horrendous, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was really embarrassing, and none of the business that it was, you know, on exit. Um, they said to us, to be honest, we knew the business plan that you gave us was, you know, a bit naive, um, but we just saw in you two someone who we could trust would find something but not just us and I think this is important for founders is that we knew the industry they could see we, we had developed such a knowledge yeah. of the, at that time the bar industry we had built up a great contact book uh, within the bar industry so they then trusted us that we would find something within this industry that we could help um, so yeah The business plan back in the day was, uh, we're a media website, we will sell adverts to Diageo, etc. We will do bookings, um, and and, and the booking side of it actually, or ironically, was we we had a meeting with the guy who actually set up Top Table, that became Open Table, etc. So it became a competitor. And he was talking about the booking model to us. Um, And I think that was a big shift for us because no one was servicing the bar industry like Open Table was serving the restaurant industry back then. Um, So we had that in our back pocket, uh, but we didn't raise on that. Um, And then we went to software. Um, So actually when we came back for our round two of funding from the same angels and they saw that there was software in it, they were delighted because... That, that, you know that's the, the gold mine everyone's trying
0: to look for so if you were to look at um whatever period of time you want to look at where the business really became because I, I read one of your LinkedIn posts where at some point I'm not sure what when the point was you said you looked at how do we exit mm-hmm. what figures do we need to hit to exit and let's work back from those figures yeah so if you can say part one when was that moment where you go okay this is a business how do we exit yeah and then what were some of like the fundamental, I have a couple of questions from people who ask questions via Instagram for the podcast, but what were, say, some of the fundamental reasons you think Design My worked? worked yeah. and maybe others didn't?
1: So so question one on that um, is probably it was when we came across the software idea and actually, you know, and, and I always say that like Andrew and I are not, geniuses or anything like that. But you know, our our strong point, I suppose, is making the right decision at the right time. And I feel like we've done that quite well um, over the period of Design My Life. And the big one for us was, okay, this that looks like there's a software opportunity. Um, do we change our whole business um, to go from media and content, um, so very time-out-y yeah. to a software? And obviously from a, in, in an internal point of view, that means getting rid of half the editorial team, because suddenly we don't need to be investing in as much editorial, and actually switching to a customer success team, an account management team, and more dev. So it's a very big business decision, um, but at the time, we knew that software was the golden nugget that everyone sure. wanted. Um, and again, that, that is still very relevant today, yeah, when I meet sure. founders about software and SaaS. But it's changed again because of you know, D2C brands that are all coming out now and making yeah. you know, a huge <coughs> impact. But for us, SaaS was, you know, let's, let's, let's go for it. So we, we did a bit of research when we, when we came across this idea to do you know, the booking model in the bar industry. Um, but it was very much like, okay, let, yeah, let, let's do this. Let's, let's completely pivot the business. Um, and it was then when we sat down Um, And then, you know, with SaaS, you've got a lot more predictable revenue. Um, So it was a case of, okay, if we're going to do this, we're going to need to spend X um, to build up a team. Um, If we think we can sell our software for Y, um, you know, how many venues do we need to sign up a year um, to actually flip the company on its head? Um, It was the best decision we made. Um, You know, a big thing back in the day is cash flow. Um, because we ran it very leanly, so our first round was only 250000 um, So for us, having a monthly recurring direct debit from venues coming into our bank account um, was a complete gear change for us, because it just gave us instant cash yeah. to be playing with. Um, but then, as you said, we could then model it up. So, you know, it, we then made a concerted effort to sit down together and think, OK, the angels want us to sell within five years. Um, we'd be happy to sell within five years. Let's both agree on a fee that we'd be happy with to end up in our back pocket. Um, luckily, we were in the same ballpark. Um, and then because software is, you know, let's just say 12 to 15 times uh, profit or EBIT, Um <coughs> You could then model back, okay, well, so in, in another four years, we need to have this many venues using our software, turning over this, this much annual recurring revenue. And then if someone's interested, we know they'll, they'll spend 10, 15, 18 times to get our end figure. Um, so it was very much at the software pivot because the revenue was a lot more bankable yeah. versus the media when you're trying to sell advertising
0: every so often. You still didn't take commissions at that point, did you? Yeah. So
1: yeah. I, I, just before the software that, you know, the booking revenue okay. um, was commission uh, based. Um, but again, nowhere, nowhere near the scale needed. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, the other question was, you know, what did we do that others haven't? And I still to this day get pitch decks from people almost trying to do the next design by night. Um, and I think what we in 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 this industry, I think what a lot of people have failed at that we've seen come and go, um, and we've seen a lot of competitors come, get a lot of noise, and then go, was they just have no business model. Um, so a lot of people and still are, because I've seen the pitch decks uh, are trying to build app only or app first discovery portal, that is better you know it's funny reading pitch deck slagging off design my night now uh, which I'm fine with because as I say I'll be to seaside you know we just didn't spend as much time on and, and design my night could be a lot better from a, a customer portal um, but we just know there's not a business in that so it's just to build a scalable you know, discovery portal no matter how curated and cool it is um, and then turning on the booking, they everyone says the same. And then we're going to put bookings into bars and restaurants. You know, I know the scale you need yeah. and the percentage conversion rate to booking to make a very profitable business in that market. Um, and you know, one big thing I say to the people that I meet now is app only is also incredibly hard because it either has to go viral or you need to spend millions on advertising. Yeah. Um, and that's you know one of uh, a big competitor in the space back in the day was called white plan that became the sort of the london startup media darling and they raised i think over 20 million pounds um, and it was a ticketing discovery portal um, and ag- and we had built a ticketing software by then as well, so we had a booking and a ticketing software, so we knew the market economics behind the ticket software and the number of tickets you need to sell for it to be worthwhile, and you know they were advertising on the tube every week to get downloads, um, so we knew they were blowing millions yeah. on advertising and the thing with an app is you get the downloads but that's not the figure it's the active users yeah. um so you know you know we knew people at whiteplan and you know they might have had millions of downloads but their active users were say 20 30,000 a week whereas we were actually web first um, and we were getting 5 million active users yeah. um so to scale an app in the discovery space is incredibly difficult still to this day I've exited Design My Night now, but when I exited, you know, about 65% of the traffic and when I left, we were getting about eight and a half million a month. 65% of that was from organic Google searches. Um, So, you know, we played the long SEO game with Design My Night. um, But if we were app first or app only, there was no chance we would get those numbers uh, without just spending millions and millions. Um, But then they don't have a business model
0: behind it either. And do you think that's because people like when they're planning their night out next week or where they're going to go for it? They like looking at the laptop maybe at work or on a computer. It's just like an easier screen size or like where, where are some of the reasons you thought yeah, like so, the data fits your thesis? You so, know? so you know, we thought let's
1: not go app only for that reason. So the scale side of it was we would need millions. Yeah. You know, really early on we used the, the Google keyword search tool and just saw what people were searching for in Our space, and it was tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of searches, anything from bars in London down to quirky basement bars in London, and everything in between. So, instantly, we thought, okay, well, if we can capture a tiny portion of those keywords and be top three, that's our audience. Nine is that that our audience, that's a targeted audience looking exactly for what we're selling them. So it was a very very concerted decision to go. So that is curation, really. That is curation to what people (laughs) were searching for, yeah. Um, And we knew we could, you know, we we didn't start out trying to get bars in London. We picked all the low-hanging fruit um, and then started to be number one for those low-hanging fruits. And then obviously when Google is seeing your number one for a lot of searches, it then boosts your overall ranking as well. So that's really how we built our SEO strategy. And the other thing that people forget in pitch decks I see is if you're going down a booking revenue model, people use apps mainly when they're out and about last minute. They're not Mm -hmm. booking. They're probably looking on the map where the bar is, but they're not booking. So you're making zero money from it. Um, Design My Night, when I left, the average booking was eight people. um, And they were booking um, normally about six to eight days in advance. Um, And exactly as you say, that is lunch breaks, sat in front of the sofa. Um, Whereas app is, as I say, you're out and about, where is this bar? Or where should we go next? Which is helpful for
0: consumers, but you're not making any money as a business. It was actually interesting, because after we met maybe in November or something, my business model for the hotel partnerships actually morphed into SaaS based on our meat. That's how you try. Don't blame me too, it doesn't work. <laughs> but I can already see because we've signed up some hotels, you yeah. know, pre product, which is great, and investors can already see, okay, well if they're spending, you know, two quid per room per month, mm-hmm. we can see how many That's hotel insane. rooms we need and exact et cetera, et cetera. So thank you. Well <laughs> works. Um but again, my theory was, okay, well, our tourists are landing from Berlin or Amsterdam, they're in London, they want to do stuff, so they're probably more likely to book, because they're actually in London, to do stuff, mm-hmm. whereas, and maybe I'm wrong, my yeah. theory was if you're in London, you're not necessarily going to book lunch next week, you might book it, yeah. but you might not, but if you come to London, you're going to go to the London Eye, you're going to go to Madame Tussauds, yeah. it's just, can we be that platform that sends them there? Yeah. Um, and that was still too risky, hence we... Still
1: change. yeah. I think you, you 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 know, trying to predict customer behaviours is, is super hard until you have the data. Yeah. Um, when we launched Design My Night, everyone thought it'd be a student portal because um, actually, when we launched way back when, our our strapline was uh, London's first comparison site for bars. And so we actually did a, a price filter and you could it would filter down the bars based on price because at that time uh, money supermarket and go pare yeah. were launching so we thought okay well, let's do that for nightlife um, and then it transpired that students weren't on our market at all which ended up being great um and then trying to predict behaviour was just really, really difficult until we started seeing all these data points of when people were booking and then asking them why they're booking. And actually, we, we you know, we soon saw that Yes Design My Night became very popular for, you know, if you if you just want to take your partner out for dinner or whatever yeah. and you want to find somewhere new and quirky. Um, but actually it became, you know, it's my birthday, it's my Hindu, it's my anniversary. And actually falling onto that market was great because... We actually launched when the recession hit, but that market is recession-proof because people always have birthdays, people yeah. always have engagements, etc. So if you can fall into that market without being a concierge service, um, we found that that really helped to, to propel us and, and we knew the market you know, from targeted ads' point of view. Um, you know, we knew the market to go after. You know, targeting Facebook, for example, because has yeah. got your birthday... So, you know, and we knew when people were book pre booking. So we would go after people whose birthday was, you know, two weeks in advance. Yeah. Have you planned anything for your birthday? Um and because we became known for having lots of quirky experiences and um,
0: you know, when you, when it's your birthday you want somewhere a bit different. Of course, yeah. It's interesting that um what the consumer sees your brand as is mm-hmm. slightly different than what the actual business model was behind closed doors. Most list. people you know yeah. I'm doing podcasts more now now <laughs> yeah. I've exited but yeah most people
1: still to this day have no idea that yeah. there's a software company behind it um, and yeah just see us as a timeout yeah. um,
0: which is fine because that is you know a big part of the model. Because Two of the questions were actually like one was like um, your imagery is beautiful and your design of like you know the, the venue mm-hmm. how big of an impact did the visual mm-hmm. layout of the page play and impact in booking conversions, and then the other was like, you know, what's a new up-and-coming restaurant? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which is like, funny, <laughs> this is just uh, uh, Yeah, and I think, and you know, from the
1: consumer, you know, as I said, it, w- when we exited, I think it's something like one in six Londoners were using our site every month, um, so... You know, that's a lot of people just using it to, to find where to go mm-hmm. out, which was it is is a, is a huge part of the business. Um, to that question, imagery is everything. Okay. So actually, Andrew, my business partner, has has a great eye for that stuff, um, and the visual impact of a page more than words. And I know there's a big shift of video, etc., um, which which we 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 played into, but. <sighs> You know, it costs a lot to film lots yeah. of venues, so we actually did just stick imagery, and as we went through different iterations of design of the site, the the venue images just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Because um, you could see booking conversions go up as the as the images goes. got bigger and better. So I won't name the bar. There was a bar in Soho that we worked very closely with. Um, that it was a standard. Bar in Soho, um, popular. Um, They did a refurb um, and put in, made it a bit more of a circus theme. So they had the Wurlitzers as tables and stuff. Um, The the offering was pretty much the same you know, good happy hour, pretty cheap drinks for Soho, come and have a party. Um, The flip from standard bar photo to their main cover image became like the Wurlitzer table was something from 100 bookings a month to 800 bookings a month. Wow. Um, and, and it's just simple plays like that that just capture people's imagination. Um, so yeah, so for us across the whole site, so when you land on the home page, it's a huge cover image because that just inspires people um, you know, to, to get them thinking a bit differently. Um, so imagery, video, very important. Layout is an interesting one. Um, we did do a lot of A-B testing um, and again I, I don't know if this has become a bit you know less fashionable nowadays but you know back in the day it was if we change the book button to orange instead of purple is that going to have a you know are people going to book more or you know you've got to have a decision colour on your website and an informative colour so people know that purple is book and green yeah. is information. Um, and we fell into that trap and did lots of A-B testing you know let's move the book button to the right of the page because that's how your eye scrolls across yeah. the page um, for us it didn't really make a difference um, um it was it was definitely imagery and as the pictures got bigger and better and and, and we asked that of our clients was you have to upload really yeah. good pictures because that will impact it um That was really the the deciding factor. We were big fans of Airbnb back in the day. um, We always admired what they did. Um, And again, back in the day, I haven't used it for a while, it was landing on an aspirational photo of a beautiful home. Um, When you were in the SERP, you could scroll all the images so you didn't have to click on the, the home to see all the images. And you know, and I know personally when I use Airbnb, I would look at the photos. I would yeah. do a filter, yeah. and then any of those photos look cool. Somewhere I want to stay. Yeah. It's the same with the bar. Um, okay, it's in Soho. That's where I want to go out.
0: To yeah. those who, who led that in design? I was it the CPO or was it the? Um, firm? It was it, it
1: was us. Okay. So I think you know we, um, you know, up until exit, you know, we we drove. The business. Uh, it's probably one of our failings was actually not probably giving over enough. Um, you know, a lot of the design of the website but we were designing and doing three softwares in the background as well um, was us. We were sort of the product managers for the site and the software. Um, great tech team. Um, so yeah, we, we, we were the ones yeah. that really driving customer behaviour, keeping our eye on trends and actually, again, something that I think founders forget is to take yourself out of your brand head and just think as a customer. Yeah. So as I said to you, you know, what did I like about booking on Airbnb? Um, and if you think, would I book, or does that look good to me? You would hope that. You know as a founder in that industry you, you know you should have quite a good eye and it's not but it's not backed up by statistics and all of that yeah. but you know you should be able to look at a page and, you know it's that vision would I book here um
0: if the image is that big versus huge it's, um, it's funny they say um like they say some older executives when like they're their marketing execs come in and say we need to start doing digital ads and they're like no no that stuff doesn't work but then on the way home on the tube they're on their phones <laughs> on Facebook so it's like your business head changes your logic for some weird it's, reason yeah and, and,
1: and it's the same with like restaurants and bars we speak to you know they obviously come to us for insight into you know what's trendy and what's you know the next cool thing to do um, and sometimes they just come up with stupid ideas and you're like okay you are a 32 year old lady take out that you're head of marketing for this brand would you take your friends here because of this change you're making no Mm, okay well that's not a good sign so you know in in business you've got to trust your gut yeah um and you can look at statistics and you can pay agencies a fortune to do a-b testing and stuff but you know yeah we've always trusted our gut and i think that's why we're both very good partners because we trust each other's gut as well yeah which i think is very important yeah
0: Second last question on Design my Night mm-hmm. um, and uh, actually no I'll go straight to I'll go straight to the kind of finishing up Design my Night mm-hmm. is um, well I'll ask you to kind of review your, your biggest learnings and biggest failures we can do that maybe at the end mm-hmm. actually but um, you said there like lots of data points and like data now and I, I met with a VC last week and they are like you know you need to add into your vision collecting data what tourists spend, where they're spending money, their spending habits, and might be able to sell it to travel insurance companies. Huge yeah. potential data play. Mm-hmm. Did you miss that? element on design my night or was it just something you didn't think of or did or was that an element or so it's, for us data was more
1: used as a learning on how to improve the user experience yeah. rather than as, a, as an acquisition point i do think data has become a word thrown around like ai okay. um that i think again i see lots of pitch decks that business model data you're like mm, okay great um, a again you need millions of data points yeah. for it to be valuable. But also is that you haven't built a viable business there. you built built something that you think might be viable for exit. Yeah. Missing the, the whole business part behind. It's the same as AI. So on every pitch deck, whether it be a bottle of shampoo or a, a SaaS system, there's some AI involved. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the semantics of startup world is crazy. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's, it's VCs like the one you've spoken to that might be driving that as well, that actually might be a bit True. ignorant in, in that world as well. But I think they think that data is the selling point. I'm not saying that data isn't the selling point, but for us, and I, I still think to this day, data should be used to help improve your own tool, no, not as purely the as the business plan. You know, What is the business? And if you've got data wrapped up into that, great. Okay. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at another project at the moment, myself, my business partner, in the, in the finance world. Um, and you know, it's very easy to sit there and go, well actually, you know, if we get 100,000 users and we're gonna have 100,000 people say like financial data, then an insurance company will want to build it, uh, buy it. Um, but then you stop yourself, or we stop ourselves. And we're like, okay, but well, that's not business. Like, that, that's just hope and pray that someone's gonna want your data. Um, so yeah, I think we need to be very careful about to start throwing
0: buzzwords yeah. around let's actually do it now let's go and it doesn't have to be three but people say pick the top three mm-hmm. <laughs> pick as many as you think <laughs> are relevant your biggest learnings and like and failures of that period of your life yeah um this is probably the actionable bits that me as a a, a younger entrepreneur can go yeah okay cool i can learn from that
1: so i think um so starting with failures um so, again, not many people know, because it was quite early on, was um, when we launched Design My Night as a consumer brand. Um, Groupon had launched at that time. And, and that was, was the darling. Um, and I used it probably to buy some crap as well. <laughs> um, and we thought, you know, and, and we you know, almost just started and we were using our personal money so we thought, oh, okay, well, why don't we do like a, a nightlife groupon? Because so that went
0: to Unicorn in two years, right?
1: Yeah. But then they, they falsified their accounts or whatever, <laughs> yeah. We can all build <laughs> yeah. Unicorn with fake accounts. <laughs> um, they, so we thought, okay, well, let's do this for the nightlife industry. But it was actually our first foray into software. <laughs> okay. So we hired an Argentinian agency to build us a deals platform. So it's going to be called Design My Night Deals. Okay. We probably spent a third of our cash developing this, this deal software. It would work exactly the same as Groupon. So we would say, um, you know, we have five cocktails for five quid instead of 50 quid, but we need to sell 100 to activate the deal. Um, yeah. And we built all this technology behind it, got some venues involved, um, but we just weren't big enough. So we had these great deals, but there weren't Can enough satisfy people. Satisfy the, the, lim- the limit to lock, unlock it. Yeah, yeah okay. so we, not enough people were buying it because we, you know, we just thought, oh, it will go viral because it's you know, cocktails for five quid instead of 50 quid. Um, and, we, and we built the platform. We launched it. It was uh, Design My Night deals. It was an arm of Design My Night. Um, and it just wasn't working. So pr- probably a good success of that was um, realizing that it wasn't working and, and stopping it. And yes, we lost a third of our cash. Um, but we didn't drown any more of our cash into it okay. um, so that was a bad business decision and, and, and learning from that is not to jump on a trend um, and if you are going to jump on a trend do your research um, and uh, just think it through properly I think as entrepreneurs now who've been through it if we would have sat down and done the maths economics of how many people we needed to buy deals for it to be worth it we would have you know never done it um But you knew when to cut your loss as well. Exactly, okay. and I think that's very important. Um you know, and, and, and pivot.
0: Um so am I quoting friends Because oh, i because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 'cause I'm new into the tech world, I'm hearing all these words. Pivot is like, in my eyes, largely didn't work. <laughs> Let's look at something else, which is what which it is, is yeah. and, 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 and
1: and that's not a bad thing. Okay. Um, you know, what I don't agree with, and I've said a few times um, if people see my LinkedIn, is this whole f- you know, don't be afraid of failure, failure's fine, you'll learn from it. And some inspirational quote about failing, um, I don't agree with that because I've never done anything almost accepting that I'm going to fail, yeah, and, and it crushes me if I fail, um, which is part of what drives me. Or drive I design my night to have been a success was the the fear of failure i think if you go into it, this blase attitude uh, oh failing's not the end of the world i'll learn something um i think it's if you do fail learn something yeah. but don't go into it thinking failure is fine i think that's quite a british attitude actually in everything we do um <laughs> yeah. which is why we don't win a lot of things yes. <laughs> like actually try and be successful yeah. um so but if you do fail or pivot, you know for us the pivot was from media company to software company. And if we didn't make that decision, we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have survived another year probably. Um, so from a pivoting point of view, it is a buzzword that you hear a lot. But it, it shows a founder that is on top of their business and it shows a founder that understands the industry. Um, yeah. We knew the way we were going, it wasn't going to be sustainable enough. But then we were also really deeply involved with the bar industry at the time and we could see they needed a software that we could build them. So actually the two together, um, it wasn't a failure. If anything, it really rejuvenates you, you know, because if you're pivoting, it's normally not going amazingly. Yeah. So actually to find a pivot that you're that works is almost like starting a new company. So you've just got that fresh vitality again to, to really go for it. Um, so I think that was a success, Is was being able to pivot. Um, I think from our point of view, um, the the whole SEO strategy was a strength, so we we, we put our flagpole in strategy, uh, in Mm. content, sorry, Um, and and we were like, we are going to play the SEO game. Um, That actually led into one of our biggest fails, ironically, was back in the day, um, you could do, it was called black hat techniques, which was ways of tricking Google. and there were lots of uh, SEO agencies um, that would do these black hat techniques in you know, the back end of your, of your site to basically falsify you to get you higher on the rankings. We were completely ignorant on the whole thing, so we just had someone going, I can get you to number one for bars in London, duh, 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 duh. and he did. Um, but then um, it was all going great guns, and this was um, year three, so the first round of funding. Um Andrew every morning used to check analytics. That was his first job, check Google Analytics, see how everything's doing. And we came in one morning and um the traffic just dropped from, you know, let's just say a thousand to ten. And we were like, Whoa, okay, so again, first we thought the analytics was broken. <laughs> so we were like, there must be something wrong yeah. here. Um, and then we started Googling it, and, and the night before um, Google had changed the algorithm. There uh, was a new one called Penguin, um, and Penguin was clearing up Google. Get anyone with black hat techniques would be penalized heavily, wow. um, and we didn't even know we were doing black hat. So we emailed you
0: outsourced
1: yeah outsourced it, it ignorant uh, on, on SEO, um, and yeah. We probably lost a year in of our rankings on that, um, but that again we turned into a positive. Where I still look back to this day and see that as one of our proudest moments because we could have been distraught and just thrown in the towel, but you know we we, we swore for an hour and then um, just galvanised ourselves and we're like okay, let's 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 understand SEO actually yeah. ourselves. And Andrew and I just went hardcore and understand reading everything we we needed to know about SEO, speaking to friends who knew about SEO, and then cleaned up everything, did SEO properly. As I say, it took you know probably a year lost uh, to rebuild the trust okay. with Google again, um, and you can submit stuff to Google and. They've got errors in, in, okay. in your back end that you can say, okay, we've worked on, we fixed, da 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 da, da. Um, So we were very on top of that. show showed we clean up our act. Um, and then, as I said, you know, SEO has got us to, to where we are today in terms of traffic. Um, so I think that was a, yeah, a, good, a good learning for us at that time. Um, but it was a proud moment because we didn't fold.
0: Um, so, in the love of motivational quotes, it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay, I that one. More. You can have that one. <laughs> um,
1: and then, you know, other, we really, you know, fortunately for us, Design My Night, so apart from deals and Penguin Morning, um, was actually very by the book in terms of a of a startup. Um, you know, you had the, the hockey curve, which you know listeners will will probably know okay. on you which know, shows growth. Um, you know, and the hockey stick is what all investors want to see. Um, you know, we pretty much plotted over the five years um, that hockey stick growth um, to a T. Every quarter we would hit our forecasts. Um, so we 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 just ran Design My Night very sensibly, okay. very cautiously, very numbers driven, um, very leanly um, until exit. Um, and so much so that one of our investors who was the, the head of entrepreneurship at the London Business School, they wrote a, um, a study on Design by Night um, just on, you know, Andrew and I always joke, we're almost like the boring startup, yeah. uh, the okay. lean boring startup, because we were never impressed Um, We never went to startup meetings and Andrew and I never got our own names out there as founders in London. Um, Again, the scene has changed. That's just personality, you guys. Yeah, I think we're both quite introverted, but at the same time, so driven to succeed in the business. And in my mind, going to, you know, hobnob with other founders for an hour and all, that a sort of peacock with each other versus just going home and doing an hour's work. Yeah. I'd get more value of the hour's work. Uh, I'm not saying don't network, but we were very, uh, <laughs> yeah. just head down. Yeah. Um, let's say we didn't, you know, we were never, because we never like revolutionized something, yeah. um, you know, you know, sort of like TechCrunch and all that, and we didn't raise money. So no one really wanted to write about us. Of course, yeah. uh, we didn't really have a, a very PR-able story. Um, so yeah there's not tons of press about us two as founders or as a business but we just got our head down and knew that we were building a successful business and that's where our competitors came along raised money were the darlings of media but we, we said to our investors i always remember the first uh, board meeting when White Plan raised like 20, 30 million pounds, we said, don't worry, like, they won't be here in a couple of years. And they did eventually fold. Um, we just knew, we trusted our business, we yeah. knew our metrics, um, and we just got our head down and just worked really, really hard. Um, so this is new, this phase
0: in our life, like coming out of the shadows of decide my Night to tell the story, almost. So n- now that you're in kind of moving into phase two of like when you're becoming an angel investor yourself. yeah and your own thesis on, um, on what you where you want a founder to go. Because obviously, like, you read some bits of startups where you've got such a small chance of success, but if it does succeed, it'll be wildly successful. And mm-hmm. you see people like VCs that, you know, the untold secret is they want one or two unicorns that covers all the losses for, yeah. you know, businesses that don't make it. I don't know if your exit is, like, widely publicized with the figure, but, like, say it wasn't a unicorn exit. No. So are you looking for founders who are... And I don't want to say to use the word realistic because that does that's kind of rude to a fan who's uh-huh. exited for say ten twenty thirty forty million yeah fucking great exit yeah but it's not a unicorn exit yeah so like are you looking for in the words of investing mm-hmm. realistic exits yeah or are you still looking for a wildly successful unicorn brand exit a hundred percent
1: the realistic okay. side I think. Um, to find that unicorn, um, so I'm part of a few sort of um, networks coming out of San Francisco, um, but that's that's more, um, you know, I won't be getting really involved. That's more like here's a bit of cash. I like the idea. You know, you can have webinars with the founder. Like the founder, okay, let's take a punt on a few sure. of those might become a unicorn, but that's money in the bin, let's just say. But my my normal angel funding, I should say, which is predominantly UK, um, is very much. I want to see a founder that. I say, as you were saying, it sort of contradicts sort of the VC side of things. But I don't want to see unrealistic. You know, if 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 some if a founder sits down in front of me and they're at pre seed seed level and within three years, you know, they're turning over hundred million pounds. You know, I'm just like oh, that's bollocks. Like, I, I, you're not. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to stifle your ambition, but it's, it's just not going to happen. Um, so I'm telling you now, that's not going to happen. Yeah, you know, unless you're something that
0: I've completely missed, which I hope you are. Um, <laughs> that's just not realistic. Um, but do you see it from the founder's point of view? Because I've had it right. So mm-hmm. I've had a, and that's why I've now got it. Awesome accountant who did a sick financial model that has variables. So if yeah. you're an investor who's risk-averse, you can put in the variables yeah. that you think will hit, and that does that to the model. And if you think we're gonna kill it, you can put in those variables and it's your decision, mate. Yeah. Because I send a deck to a mate who owns a dev agency who's super hooked up in Silicon Valley, he goes, Those numbers are too small, I can't send it to anyone I know. Yeah. I'm like, I don't even have the product built He's yeah. like, I don't care. They look at your five, and if it's not at 50 million, yeah. they're not gonna look at the yeah. rest of the deck. And I was like, and okay. See, I think, as you say, I think All like changes. different who you're pitching to. It's yeah. very
1: sad. It has to be like this. The um, you know a VC, yeah, you know wants you to be selling for a hundred million at least more. Yeah. Um, whereas angel investors, I think, are a lot more realistic. You know, as as an angel investor, a you're putting in your personal cash. And, and and a lot of the angels I know is personal, hard earned cash as well. Mm-hmm. Emotional ties. Uh, emotional ties. That cash. Um, it took a you know a lot of blood and guts to get that cash. Um, so if I sit in front of a founder who says, you know what, Nick, you know if if if, if it booms, great, and I'm ready to be on that journey. But you know what. Oh, you know, I'm looking at maybe you know in five years' time, uh, you know, 40 million exit, and I think these are the if we can get it to that, these are the types of people that I think would buy us in that range. You know, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, well, you know that that's 40 times return for me, fantastic. Like right? um, versus someone who is yeah, I'm going to be doing 500 million, um, which just for me just shows. It's not the type of founder I want to back just because I, uh, you know, you're full of shit, basically. Um, and you know, I'm I'm
0: I I, I do, and I'd have to slightly disagree because I'm coming from a a, a very naive position coming into it, and it's a a product of the environment, you're a product of the environment. So, you're looking at why combinator YouTube content, you're speaking to VCs, you're speaking to advisors. And then you speak to someone like you who's realistic. Well, yeah, I've just been told for the last three months to not be realistic. Yeah. So sorry, man, I didn't disrespect <laughs> you. I, I still think it's crazy, but this is what I'm being told yeah. to do. and that's why I agree, and I think. But, but, you know, that's why. Yes, you, you
1: know, if, if you've got a good financial, aid, that's very important, and you can change it up based yeah. on who you're meeting. Um, so, you know, I would recommend if you are meeting angels and VCs, is take the time to do a bit of due diligence on who you're meeting. Okay. Um, and yeah, a VC, you've got to show scale intent. Um but I just know that is so rare. Yeah. You know, to find and and, and it's not just San Francisco, you know, it's great. Like Europe at the moment and London I think is 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 booming in terms of unicorns and really exciting stuff coming out of Europe, which is amazing. Um and I don't want to stifle yeah, people's ambition, but I you know it's just uh, it's just unrealistic yeah. that um you're going to buck that trend you know of the however many unicorns there are versus the number of startups that are starting i'd rather start realistic and if it really starts to take off let's get bloody excited yeah. together and raise 20 million yeah. and go to a vc but let's not start with your head in the clouds because right. for me that's you know that's a founder who is living in cloud cuckoo land you know you need a founder that is going to care about the thousands not the millions yeah. and he's plotting every month how much revenue, how much churn um, what everything's costing you know, that's what I look for in a founder um, and as I said you know, if, if the traction hits um, yeah. great and, and you're not always looking for a unicorn because they are so rare um, as I said if, 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 if an angel can get 10 times plus their money back well, that's a great investment, and and again, whenever I meet a founder, it's a, it's a crass comment. But I always say, "What do you want out of this?" And when I say, "What do you want out of this?" How much money do you want in your back pocket when you finish this? Because yes, you can do startups for the greater goods, and I've seen investing in quite a few around the environment and mental health and well being at the moment. Um, and I, and I think yeah, you know, that is great. The startups should be doing changing the world, one hundred percent. Um, you know look what Tesla's done for automatic cars yeah. uh, electric cars Um, but also I think if we're all honest with each other it's it's, it's you know for me I obviously I wasn't changing the world with design I, um, it was I didn't want to work for a corporate anymore and I wanted financial freedom for my loved ones and for my family and myself that you know I'm now 35 so I was like if I could be financially free at 35 and not have to worry so much about money and then just do what I want to do that's the best outcome I could hope for so Andrew and I were okay well what what does financial freedom look like for both of us as a figure um and yeah it wasn't a hundred million pound exit um and our investors were always on board with that there was one that always wanted us to go to America every board meeting when when are you going to New York why isn't design my night in New York um, but Andrew and I would just always, we don't need to go to America to hit the figures we need to hit. Um, you know, we can exit for what we want to exit. You guys are going to make a very tiny sum of money out of it as well. So, you know, you know, we don't need to go to America, take our eye off the ball, uh, maybe
0: fail. Um, let's just nail the market we're in. From y- you're now ultimately somewhat, probably not really having to sell yourself to the founder, right? Mm-hmm. So like, what is what does Nick bring to the table to a to a founding team apart from, say, the the cash, you know? Well, I, I, and what's your philosophy for the next couple of years? On yeah,
1: this? so we so um, so Andrew and I um, we're like ants to death, all of our friends. So <laughs> we do a lot together. To you know, <laughs> we are best friends. We do a lot together. We've actually just bought an investment property next door to each other as well. <laughs> literally, literally like hands like <laughs> <laughs> um, in I think it's we just trust each other's judgment. Um, we we I, you know, we we had probably like two arguments in nine years as founders. You were mates pre. Yes, yeah, yeah. so we're best mates from okay. uni. Um, so we're so we're embarking now, yeah. On a so we're actually going to set up sort of like a venture house, not venture capital, but a venture house where all of our brands that we invest in are going to sit um, in a venue. In
0: a location? Not necessarily okay. a
1: location, but what we, what we want to do is um, for all the brands we invest in is create, you know, like a digital platform for them to interact with each other and help each other. Super. So coming to our platform, we can all help each other. Um, we are um, also looking at part of this venture house to do an inc- our own incubator. So, you know, we've got a couple of ideas already that we might build, build the go-to-market strategy, invest our own personal cash in and then hire in a CEO to actually run the business with us behind the scenes. Um, we're also going to be looking at um, our own syndicate because we get a ton of pitch decks to us um, and at the moment we've got loads of angel networks where we're providing a lot of pitch decks to and I think we're finding finding because we've done it, um, a lot of other angels and BCs and, and groups are sort of trusting our judgement a bit more because we've done it. Um, so. Um, yeah, we're going to be starting up a syndicate um, soon as well. So, you know, message me on LinkedIn if you're interested in that. Um, but what we're really going to bring, what we want this sort of house to be, is like a big brother. So, uh, not spying on them as in an arm around the shoulder. So, you know, every um, every founder and and actually every founder we invest in, rather than company. You know, we say that we're available. Um, You know, if you want to put us in uh, once a month for a meeting, whatever, here's my number if you want to WhatsApp me whenever and you've got a question, just ask me. Um, And I'm very upfront and direct, so we'll we'll give it to you straight what we think. Ignore us if you want, but we'll always give it to you straight. Um, And we really want to be part of the journeys with them. We don't don't want to butt in, but, um, yeah, we want to be that arm around the shoulder, that help. Um, that inspiration when needed, maybe just thinking a bit differently because we've seen something before, um, which I think has been the founders that we've invested in. Um, you know, they've said it's very refreshing that, that to have someone on their side that's done it. You know, we're almost sure. like silent founders with them. Yeah. You know, we're just like, look, if you ever want to bend our ear about something, or if there's say two of you and you disagree, you know, bend our ear on it. Um, so that's really the ethos we want to go for. Is um, you know, a let's have some fun. It's meant to be fun. Um, but we're also here for you emotionally. Like we know the emotional yeah. roller coaster of founding. So if either you know if any of you are struggling, let us know. Um, let us know if we can try and pick you up if needed. Um, but also hopefully just giving you
0: some just good insight whenever you need it. Um, How are you finding the? Emotional, maybe psychological side of it's your hard-earned money for nine years, and you're giving it to a founder, and you can't. (laughs) You can't do it. (laughs) it. It's like is that has that been a learning curve?
1: I think spending anything, whether it be uh, you know buying a a new car or buying a new pair of trainers or whatever, it's 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 a strange you know it is strange because there's that fear that you're going to lose this money you you've spent so so long to earn so i think there's just a natural psychological fear of losing your fear of loss yeah Yeah. um in terms of 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 the founders it's actually i found it the opposite i i've really enjoyed i was actually just before i was with two hours with one of my investments um it's actually really nice to be able to just give insight, give my view, and then fuck on. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then they can it. do it, which is what our end yes. is doing with us. And we used to come back every quarter and we're like, we've hit forecast, we're on target. They're like, great, keep doing it. Um, but it's really nice to be dipping into lots. Um, and as I said, we're not precious. You know, If, if they want to ignore everything we've said, that's fine. If they disagree, let's have a discussion. You know, I'm definitely not right yeah. uh, all the time, far from it. Um, but it's really nice to just to see a founder's cogs ticking yeah. um, because of a conversation we're having, and you know, you know, maybe them thinking a bit differently because of a conversation
0: we've had. Um, but then they've got to go and execute it, which is quite nice. And is that, um, <laughs> that decision making process when you're going to make an investment, and you could summarise it in say sixty seconds without having to go into too much detail yeah. each parse yeah what's a winning investment when you go right here's 50k 100k yeah and these are the reasons i think so win. first and foremost is the founder or okay. founders um i,
1: I you know I, I, if they've got something and I, and, and and like the, the, our investors said to us that they know the market really well that they're operating in and they're a founder that i just get a good vibe of um that's normally the winning combination. Okay. Um, I obviously am looking at the idea, um, but again, as I've put on LinkedIn a few times, you know, like, all the the, the the market sizing and all that crap, like, oh, it's a trillion dollar market. I'm like, great, like, yeah, I know. Anyway, let's say your industry, yeah, okay, I know the hotel market's huge, you don't need to show me yeah. three slides. But again, other people will want to see that. But I'm just like, who are you? Who's your team? Um, do you understand this market? That's the big thing. And because some of the, some things I invest in, I don't know the market as well. I understand the business idea, but I don't understand the market. And there's one, um, I'm currently closing at the moment in, in healthcare. And I don't know about healthcare, but I understand the idea. And the founders are awesome in healthcare and they've done it before. So I'm like, okay, I trust you. Uh, I get the idea. Even if the idea might need a pivot, I trust that you guys are the ones to be able to pivot it correctly. Um, And as I said, like for me, it's, um what's the business yeah uh, you know is there a business is there a road to profitability not is there a road to 500 revenue sure. is there a road to profitability and again i will i will always question someone's um uh business uh, you know how we make money line okay. if i don't agree with it or if i see one that is data or if i see one that is um, oh, well, we need a million users first, and then we'll figure out how we're going to profit. Uh, you know, uh, great, yeah, you know, that worked for Facebook, that worked for Twitter, etc. But you know, in the main, um, so realism, founders, team, um, and like, market appreciation and
0: understanding, I think, okay. sort of the key pillars for me. Right, brilliant. I to I wrote it down earlier because um, you said you wanted to have financial freedom when you're in your thirties, and um, you didn't want to be in the corporate world. But then you also said, like, the hours and hours and days and days you put in. And um I think, like, as I think I said before, like, for me, business is like watching a movie on Netflix. Like, this is super fun <laughs> for me. I get a kick out of it. Yeah. Like, on Sunday night, I was, like, reading books and then talking with my investors. And, like, that's fun. Yeah. And I think people look at, like, the exits and look at the success stories and they go, oh, cool, I want to be an entrepreneur. It sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. But it's really not. And... Like, did you, is there certain things over the last nine years that you, like, say, let's talk about the negative, not even the negative, you like the word realistic, let's mm-hmm. talk about the realistic part. Like, did you lose friendships? Did you lose relationships? Did yeah. you struggle about relationships? Like, what were some of the, like, you know, this is tough? Yeah, I, I think,
1: um, yeah, I think my, my friend, my friend's side were good. I think they understood. And that, again, it's, it's bang on. That's what I say to founders is you need to be ready to put your life on hold for probably at least two years. So whether okay. that's. Relationships, friendships, family have to be understanding. Um, you know, and it becomes almost quite a solitary beast. You know, your friends won't really understand what you're going through. Um, my dad and mum actually were, are both entrepreneurs as well, but but even they, I could tell, didn't really understand what I was doing, which makes it difficult to discuss. Um, yeah, relationships. It's the same because you can't give as much of your time. Um, so, while I didn't want to be in the corporate world more because I didn't want to work for sort of the bigger beast, because um, I, you know, at L'Oreal, i was still working long hours. i was still working on holiday, uh, but you know, for um, you know a billion dollar French company. <laughs> um, And I think you're right. I think there's a lot of romanticising about, you know, what a startup is. Um, You know, for me, it's everything you've said. So, yeah, pretty much you've got to put your life on hold for two years. And and, and there's a lot now about well-being and founder well-being, which I think is great because I think we need to speak about it. But, again, we need to be realistic that, you know... And I, I read these. I get up at four a.m. and I do an hour of meditation. I do an, uh, a six-mile jog um, because that's what Steve Jobs used to do. And then I, I read two books. And then I it's nine o'clock and I've already done loads. Like that's bullshit as well. Like you're so tired. Um, and I think you have just got to be ready to just put your all into it. And I think we we were ready to sell because we were tired at the end of it. Like it was the right time to sell for us and it was a plan, but we were just exhausted. Um, And if I would have known how much effort it was going to be, would I have started it? Probably not. Um, that was one of the questions like were you, was it the night yeah, Nike that yeah. allowed you to get through those years yeah and that's why i don't want to scare anyone by saying this and actually my it's the opposite it's the motto you know nike i'm like just do it like actually if you've got an idea and you properly researched it and you haven't just asked your friends and family if it's a good idea but you're scared just do it the, the, there's never going to be a good time it's like having a baby Like, yeah. all, my ki- all my friends have got babies and There's never a right time to have a baby. Just do it and you'll cope. Um, And I think it's the same as long as you, you know, financially, I think as long as you're protected financially yourself, because if you burn out financially, that can ruin your business, um, which is a shame if the business is doing well. You know, if you run out of cash as a person, not as a business, you're screwed. So Um, are you pro having the
0: founders a decent salary or?
1: um, Well, yeah, i say we self-funded ourselves for a year and a half. So, you know, you know I would say just make sure you can have you know a year of no salary okay. so you know whether it's savings or if you're lucky enough to have parents that can help you or if you have to go move home um you know make sure you have enough personal cash in the bank okay. um to, to be able to ride at least a year uh, all, all up for paying found as well um again we didn't really so when we exited bef- uh, you know we were probably on like 40 grand each a year we're probably one of the lowest paid in our company Um, because we weren't in it for that salary we were in it for the end Um, so i don't like seeing a founder who wants to take like 80 grand out of the business unless it's obviously making a lot more Um, so it's it's uh, yeah i want people to see the realism of of what doing a startup is Um, and it's so rewarding in so many ways and and we've achieved our goal which is great and you know i'm in a, a wonderful place now which i'm really fortunate for Um, But if I would have known what I'd have had to go through to get that. It's like, if you know how cold a swimming pool is, would you jump in it before you jump in? Probably not. Um, So I think as long as you're sensible, level-headed, your family, friends, relationships are all aware that, you know, you're going to be off the grid for a couple of years at least, um, then just just start. Um, And you know what? Humans are resilient, and, and as I say, you know, we, we're often asked like, what's the magic pill? Um, or what do you and how do you have that yeah. maybe others don't? Nothing, like we're just grafters and we made yeah. some good decisions at the right time. Uh, we trust our gut, luckily we had a good gut with that. Um, we built an incredible culture at Design My I, which
0: uh, was super important. that's a word that's thrown around a lot, but it's truly important. Right? Uh, for us, like um, not to sound cliche, but and what a, does intangible in takeaways? What does culture
1: actually mean? So for us, it was like truly giving a shit about the staff. Um, so a lot of them had shares in the company, so they were you know it was going to be a good exit for them. I think that's very important as well. Um, but they could see that when they came to work, Andrew and I really, really did care. Um, and we would have uh, regular meetings on how we could do the office better, um, you know, perks that we could do to make, make things better. And and not that we want it to be a free for all. And we weren't just like, yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, for us, it was... Um, you know the office environment um it was you know and, and stupid little things like we you know we had a sonos in the office and speaks everywhere and every team um had like a, a daily dj slot um that each team would then dj for like three or four hours yeah. and which was cool you know one minute you've got drum and bass in the office one minute <laughs> you've got whatever classical which yeah. drives some people wild. we you put your headphones on yeah. everyone. um we'd go out regularly as a team um, obviously, design my night. You know, we had a bar in the office. Where we had you know free lunch once a week, free fruit, and, um, coffee, and we had perk box. And um, but I just think it's my Andrew and I were there. Like yeah. we we sat with everyone. It was it's open plan. Um, we would get involved with everything. Um, so we were just one of the gang. Yeah. Um, and I think that really helped. That we built this family with us. That you know, came with us and fortunately trusted Andrew and I and liked Andrew and I, you know, we became like big brothers to all these people, because you know, we hired quite young. Um, so it was really like just gathering up yeah. the family and bringing them with us to exit. Um, and yeah, there's no way we would have achieved it without, you know, the core team we had. Um, and that's, the, you know, if you speak to anyone who's left Design and Night or is still at Design and Night, you know, the culture,
0: um, more yeah. than you know it wasn't the salary definitely wasn't yeah. was the thing that was like yeah. keeping them there i keep trying to get to the end but i keep having questions <laughs> <laughs> like, which is irritating but um uh so when you um i don't know, i'm pretty sure you can be honest about it now because no, you fully be. exited mm-hmm. did you lose any passion or love for it in 2017 when you knew you'd been acquired but you had to Wait for two years for yeah. you know. Um, not necessarily passion because we were targeted.
1: So a big part Actually, of the deal yeah. was a two-year earn-out. So it wasn't a handover; it was a chunk of the money was us hitting target. So we were extremely motivated to hit target, and you know it was two years of strong growth again. Um, so there was no way we could sort of plain sail okay. to the end. Um, I think the last year. Um, you know, as the transition starts happening, the company that own you obviously need to start implementing some of their ways and putting in some of their team, because obviously we're going to be going, um, and that's really tough. Um, and I think, you know, by the end of it, we're definitely ready to leave because in a weird sort of way, we built Design My Night to not work in a corporate, but a corporate had bought us. Um, and you know, you can try and be as cool as you want as a corporate, but you're still a corporate. Yeah. Um... So Did a lot of staff leave, the same to um, Not loads, actually. Yeah. So again, Andrew and I were um, able to sort of keep the Design My Life bubble, because when you're in an earn out, you can be quite brutal with your acquirers. So, you know, if they want to change something, if that's going to affect revenue, in any shape or form you can say well no that's okay. going to affect our earnout," and that came down to culture as well because our sure. team was so important yeah, yeah. so we could bat off a lot from okay. our acquirers to be like no no just you've got to leave us be um you know we, we will make sure that by the time we go you will have you know you will know everything you need to know and whoever you hire to replace us we're here for them um but you just can't change this this and this um so we, we you know it was tough at times, for sure, um, but we we managed in the main to keep the bubble. Um, what will happen now? We've gone, not sure, um, but completely gone. Everything card. gone, everything completely gone. Health. Yeah. So uncontactable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so yes, yeah, since third um, of Jan, that was that was my last day uh, in the office, uh, and and I made a, a conscious decision to cut it clean. Okay. So you know, I've said to team there that. I've grown up with for eight, nine years, who are friends of mine now, was like, I don't want to hear about Design My Night. I don't want you WhatsAppping me grumbling. Ex-girlfriend, see. <laughs> <laughs> see um, I don't want any of that. Yeah. Um, so, and I've said to clients who I've become quite close with, I was like, you can't contact me about Design My Night. I don't want you to contact me grumbling about our acquirers. I can't do anything. and I'm Actually, I just don't want to hear it. Um, so, you know, and, and to the people that bought us, you know, you've got me until the third of Jan, but on the fourth of Jan, I'm I don't want to yeah. appear anymore. Um, so
0: yeah, I made quite a, a conscious effort just to cool. cut it loose, basically. Final question, mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of maybe a summary of lots of points you said. But take me for example, a young aspiring founder. What would be like the three main points to be like? You know, and again, I say three because people <laughs> like using it a number but like what are the main points to be like just stick to those yeah like, true north and, and you know you have a good chance so number one is um make sure you've
1: got the business right so have have a passion for numbers um i am actually awful at numbers you know i almost think it's called dyscalculia which is that is um, dyslexia for numbers right. like i'm pretty sure i've got that <laughs> like, I, I cannot add up for shit right um but I took the time to really understand a PL, understand a spreadsheet. So I can't add up past 10, but I can use Excel really well. Um, so you know, just be passionate about your numbers. Um, you know, every month, revenue, profit or loss, um, churn rate of your customers, find your KPIs on what are gonna be a successful business and plot those. And if you're missing it, Don't just brush it off as a bad month. Analyze why we missed any of these KPIs and how can we then improve? Um, So that would be number number one. Number two um, would be about finding a good team. So, you know, figure out what your weaknesses are um, and hire your weaknesses, basically. Um, And something that we didn't do very well was... um, Delegate. Pull back delegate yeah, yeah. Uh, you know let them make decisions let them know you're always there um, but let them make decisions uh, you know you can't be an expert at everything um, and linked to that we always hire as young and hungry okay.
0: so for us uh, I' so know, not necessarily experienced who too- you, you were preferred when young, hungry and could learn?
1: I think, in, in depending which role
0: yeah. it was, um,
1: in the main, probably 80% of, you know, so let's say for us, account management, customer success, content, um, marketing PR, um, we hired young, hungry, didn't care what you did. I didn't care if you had a degree, actually, not all, even what you yeah. did. Um, just when I met you, like, could I see that you wanted to forge a career at my business because... If I did, I would help you forge that career. If you're good, you will grow um, and be part of the culture. Um, So which put more pressure on us. Andrew and I were obviously like then training a lot. You know, it was a lot of people's first jobs. Um, First time they've been in an office, which is difficult sometimes because they don't know how good they've got it. Uh, you know they haven't worked in a yeah, corporate before true, yeah. Yeah, and you know they see the new Google office in the paper um, but that, that put more pressure on us to, to train them but it allows you also to train them in your company's mould they don't come with any pre-existing ideas of how they should act or which again can cause problems um, but we really shaped a lot of people at Design My Night who now have brilliant careers and whether they stay at Design My Night or leave Design My Night we know they're going to flourish from having to sign my night on their CV and yeah. experience their okay. gain. Um, so, yeah, so, so hire, hire your, your weakness. Uh, we hire young and hungry. Um, you know, don't worry about universities and, and stuff like that. Um, what was the first one I said? I can't remember now. The first one was like, oh, your business I numbers, 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 yeah. like, Really know your numbers, really understand your business and, and where you want to take it. Um, and if you if you if you start missing those, really analyze why, okay. and just do it. Just do it. Don't overthink it, and just just get on with it. Super. Nick, no, thank
0: you so much. And and best of so luck shy. with the anti period. Of <laughs> I'll, I'll be reading out <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> thank mate. Appreciate it. You're a legend.